90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Uh, enjoying the last week of classes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, before finals, you start getting floods of emails. And... Oh, good old dead week, yes. And despite, um, you know, oh, you just made a dead week. I don't know if when you were an undergrad, they had it. They didn't have it when I was. Um, and they made it, and now all the students think that it means that we don't have class. So that's always interesting. <laughs> Yeah, we it was in name, but it was the same thing. You still went to class and all that. It wasn't actually a full full week of nothing but studying because they knew that students probably wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I've had a lot of students complaining that we're even meeting at all. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, yeah, so tomorrow's my, uh, well, my second to last class, and then Friday's the last class of the semester, so that's exciting. Our finals week is kind of late this year, but um, yeah, so lovey. It always seems to fall right around AGU time. I remember taking my structure final at AGU. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that does generally happen, it seems like. Um, yeah, so it's been a quiet week, and I'm sure after finals it's going to get – it's going to be a bad weekend. I have everything to grade that I have to grade in three days, so <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but speaking of AGU, that's where you're on your way to, right? Uh, indirectly, yes. So yes. I, I left Penn State uh, this morning, the morning that we're recording, and drove nine hours. And I'm recording now from a hotel room in Terre Haute. And <laughs> then I'm going to drive the rest of the way to Arkansas tomorrow. So another eight hours or so. And then I will fly from there to San Francisco Uh because it is a direct flight, believe it or not, from Northwest Arkansas, and that means I fly back from AGU for the holidays right to right to home. I don't have to worry about trying to get back home from the great frozen north and having flights canceled. I was going to say, and God knows you don't really have a good track record, so a direct flight, you know, even though Arkansas isn't on the way to California, it's probably still better for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, this morning I had some freezing fog on the drive, so that was a little bit of an oh adventure. My gosh. But <laughs> <laughs> but nobody canceled your car, so exactly. <laughs> and yep, made it here, and we're doing a show, so hopefully the audio sounds okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you've recorded worse places, so it's true. <laughs> but well, all the other podcasts, and so why not jump on this bandwagon, right? Are doing. Amen. Uh, a holiday gift guide episode, and we thought that this would be a good thing for us to do because sometimes geologists can be hard to buy for because <laughs> they might be okay with a lump of coal. Har, har. <laughs> You've been saving that one for a while, haven't you? <laughs> uh, of course. Uh, it's so true. Um, I have coal on my desk right beside me right now. <laughs> and I, I realized when I was making my picks is that I mostly put stuff that I already owned. So that was kind of dumb of me. But uh, I'm sure I can add some in the upcoming shows on the way to Christmas. So <laughs> Yeah, and I actually picked a mix of things that I've heard really good reviews of and think would be neat to get. Uh, and think other people that listen to the show would be interested, and some things that I already have that I really love that I think would make great gifts. And I know we both have huge lists. This is going to be tons of links in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. (laughs) Basically, the show notes are just links. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) At this time. (laughs) Uh, So I kind of divided up into a few different categories uh, of gear and books and miscellaneous just to give it a little bit of structure and i think you did something similar right uh yes so as always i just copied off of you and (laughs) um but it shows (laughs) what kind of person i am is that i have books and movies (laughs) it's true i didn't put any movies down bad geology movies could be a whole nother whole other show uh, Are whole, you whole other that, series <laughs> that you don't want uh, San Andreas for Christmas? <laughs> you know, I saw it once, and I think that's enough. <laughs> this is good for you. Uh. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and I love that our gear is sort of, you know, you have a lot of tech gear. I have a lot of 
non-tech gear, so we're covering all the aspects that we always talk about. You know, I expect nothing less, so I guess I'll go ahead and start off uh, in gear. The first thing was the Pedco Ultrapod 2, and this is a little portable tripod that you can carry around. It packs down pretty small, and this is one that I've heard great things about, uh, and hopefully we'll find under the the tree at some point. Uh, So I have one of those little goby like the little thing that looks like little buckyballs all hooked together yeah that's the tripod that i use um i mean i'm proud of myself that i even have one at all actually and it's pretty cool because it can wrap around things and sort of give you some weird like angles but this thing looks a lot a lot more sturdy than that guy is yeah this is pretty sturdy and it's got this nice little velcro strap so you can set it up as a kind of a squat small tripod you know, it's not very big. It's just a few inches tall. Uh, or you can use the strap, strap it to a tree branch. Uh, yeah, that's the best picture. Yeah. <laughs> so you can do strap to a twig. <laughs> all kinds of things with it. And really with a small attachment, you know, you can put your iPhone on it. And that's a perfect time-lapse rig for if you've got people in the field and want to do a time-lapse of it or something. That'd be really easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty cheap. I mean, under 20 bucks. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by that because I don't... I don't think I paid much more than that, but, um, you know, it seems like some stuff is getting very affordable. So that's a, that's a handy thing to have. Yeah. And I think that at some point we need to do an entire show on how we take photos in the field. Oh yeah. Because. (laughs) That's probably two or three shows really. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you get into all kinds of things about having, you know, steady mounts, uh, lighting is the color realistic because color is so important in geology. Uh, Mm -hmm. it can be a real nightmare (laughs) uh right exactly i mean well you're not supposed to use color for identification but we all know we all do it (laughs) and yeah it's nothing worse than having you know the panoramic field shot of your area be slightly tilted and what are you going to do then yeah so (laughs) what, what did you have for your first pick under gadgets um well so my sort of gadget is um i'm gonna go ahead and go along with the photo thing and i have the nikon aw110 and you know for a long time nikon did these cool pics cameras and so i bought i bought the aw100 because i'm really klutzy (laughs) (laughs) and i drop all my electronics all the time and so this guy is like shockproof up to a couple of meters, which is nowhere near as tall as I am. So it's totally awesome. Um, it's really uh, rugged. It comes in bright orange, so you won't leave it on the outcrop. Right. <laughs> and it also comes in camouflage, which is the dumbest idea for me ever. <laughs> but... Yeah, you never find it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the worst about walking away. So the bright orange is always there. Um and then it's also, um, you know, geotags your camera or geotags your photos, which is super great. And it works really well. Like the little GPS sensor in there is quite excellent. I mean, as you know, especially they've been getting smaller and better and these are really good and it doesn't add a lot of extra weight. And the best part is it's um, waterproof up to 10 meters. And I've taken some really awesome underwater photos both in like rivers and in several oceans and it's really a cool rugged little camera and kind of goes along with your tripod wish list yeah those are really pretty neat cameras and you can get those gps taggers for you know regular nikon dslr canon dslr Uh, i know a few people that have those and like them pretty well Uh, so that's something else you have a, a photo buff in your life and they don't have a gps tagger for their camera uh, that's actually a really good point. These Nikons, I mean, this AW110 is is their cool pick, so it's sort of the little one that goes in your pocket. And it takes really excellent photos, but um, that's a good point for when you want better photos. You can get one of those little taggers. Um, it's really useful, especially if you're doing field work. And I know we all have the best intentions, and we go out and we say we're going to come back immediately and reference every sample that <laughs> right. we have and <laughs> write every picture down and what it was, but you never do. So this is actually pretty nice um, to have both the timestamp and the exact location. Though remember also your iPhone location stamps photos as well, and you probably already have it in your pocket. Well, I don't know. Does your phone 
put that uh, location data in the EXIF part of the photos? Uh, I don't know, because I always use my Nikon. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's, that's one thing that I do. Like if I'm you know driving down the road and I see it, like, oh, that'd be neat to check out sometime. I just uh, pop open the camera on my iPhone, take a picture, even if it's just of the dashboard, because then I can open the photo and then oh, go back gotcha. in Google Earth and see where I was when I snapped that and figure that's out. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I'm sure that the Androids have something similar. I've just never thought to investigate it, but maybe I will after this. Um because my cell phone takes a pretty good camera picture also. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. There was a Mac Power Users episode a while back where they just discussed photography with the iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah, stellar yeah. episode. Uh, definitely worth listening to. But so in the same vein of optics anyway, one thing that was on my list was a microscope. I saw that. <laughs> and I wanted to ask, what, what kind of people are you messing around with, John? <laughs> that you're going to actually look at a rock. I don't understand. Oh, uh, well, no. So I'm actually going to use this to look at really tiny circuit boards. Circuits. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but boy. <laughs> I think it would also be great for work with rocks or any kind of small uh, sample preparation that you need to do. It's got a, the one that I found, it's Amscope SE400Z on Amazon. And this is, you know, this is the knockoff brand. But for $184, and it has very good reviews, I'm willing to give it a shot. And I think it would be adequate for most things that you want to do. They do have some models that have cameras built in as well. So my experience with the Amscope stuff is um, as cameras that you put onto other microscopes so you can you know work your slide under the microscope and be looking at your computer and the optics are not fabulous so i was a little scared when you put an amscope product up but this is a binocular microscope stereoscope so these are just you know you just look down there and you've got something whatever it is a circuit board a rock whatever like right underneath there and you know this looks like a really it's a really good deal for one of these microscopes so Hopefully it's a little bit better than just their digital ones that they have. Um, but these are really great. We actually use them for our scanning electron microscope. When we have to work on the little bitty tiny parts that go inside, we use one of these binocular stereo microscopes as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they have several different models. of This This is kind of the lower end one. But the beautiful thing about it is you can get tall objects, short objects, all kinds of stuff under it, and you don't have to be able to get light to go through it. You just shine light on it. Uh, uh, yeah, it's got that little LED lighting um, attached to it, so that's super great. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking that would be pretty useful for a lot of our listeners that do anything small and fiddly, which is probably a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually that's absolutely true. <laughs> um, so, also on the same optics vein, um, I'll jump to one of my gear picks because we were just talking about cameras is that i just bought the garmin montera gps okay it's so amazing <laughs> i really like garmin gps units uh i've had several the one i currently have is a garmin but i don't go out in the field near as much as i used to but this is a high class gps unit Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I've got this startup money that I need to spend for field geology. And I thought, well, I'm going to buy me a GPS because here, you can mock me now because you've had experience with this. I still use my old Garmin e-trex. I, I, I will <laughs> never forget when you couldn't get the cable or lost the cable or something. I just remember calling Garmin and saying that we needed a cable for that unit and them laughing at us on the phone. She did. <laughs> it was so traumatic. <laughs> I was too embarrassed to talk to him, and so I made you do it. And then she did what I was afraid she would do, which was laugh at us. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was still using that old guy. <laughs> um, I've had him forever. And so I was like, let's, let's upgrade, right? And I went full Cadillac. Like, this thing is unbelievable it's got like a 12 megapixel camera in it it's got a radio it has pre-programmed um weather radio frequencies it's got google i can check my email on it 
So it's unbelievable. <laughs> you have to really like somebody to get them this for Christmas, though, because oh, yeah. you're pushing mm-hmm. around the $650 price point here. Yes. And if you want, it's got a lot of the one to 100,000 topo maps preloaded. But if you want to start buying, you know, the one to 24K topo maps, those are, you can get them by regions, which is super nice. And they come packaged on um, a micro SD. So you can just plug them straight in. So that's nice too. But those run anywhere between, you know, 79 to $130 based on what region you're looking for. So. Yes, it was a little bit pricey, and I will say it's pretty big. If I was just, I don't think I would have bought that with my own money, (laughs) Um, mostly because it is. It's a little big and unwieldy. I mean, it's going to come in handy for me being in the field, having the weather radio and, you know, all the other functions available, Um, but I'm a little worried that it's going to get pretty heavy to carry. Right, but I would say just any handheld gps unit that has you know good reviews will be a great gift for somebody in geology uh, i'm oh absolutely i mean my etrex i've had it for well yeah a long time and it was a gift and you know i've used it for the last 10 years and well no actually i've used it the last 13 years so yes even the cheap ones are fantastic yeah, and so I have the GPS map uh, 64S by Garmin, which runs about $200, and that was all I needed. It doesn't have the radio and all that in it. It is just a really good GPS with a great high-gain antenna on it. I've been really happy with it. Uh, yes, um, if I were to go personally buy one, I would have bought that that model updated. Um, they're spectacular. That's really similar to the ones that we started to use out at field camp for the students too. Um, so those are really great. And every geology nerd tech nerd or not is going to love a GPS. <laughs> right. So before we totally get out of cameras and that kind of thing, though we already are a little bit, um, <laughs> the one thing that I forgot that was related in my list, and this is something that I own. I've actually, when I was trying to find it on Amazon to put it in show notes, I realized that I've owned this since 2012. Um, <laughs> it's the Low Pro Extreme Padded Sport Style Backpack, and it has a DSLR camera pouch that's padded and enough room for your lunch and a few other essentials. And this was my daily field bag when I did uh, took field camp, instructed field camp, took field mapping, all that. I had no idea these existed until I looked that up because, you know, I would never, I don't have a digital SLR. I have an old school 35 millimeter Nikon, um, but man, they're a pain because they're so big. Yeah. I mean, I used to have a normal field bag and then to keep my DSLR protected and the lens and that kind of thing, uh, I would carry a Pelican case around. (laughs) Which is not useful if you're, you know. It makes scrambling really hard. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I remember at one point, I don't remember exactly where this was, but tying it uh, to me so it wouldn't go down <laughs> this really steep slope that we were scrambling <laughs> with a bunch of webbing and basically just having it drag and bobble along. I mean, it is kind of nice to be able to, uh, if you decide to you know, take a little break in the lake or something like that, I have just hugged the Pelican case and jumped off a canoe and floated down yeah, river with the Pelican case with my camera in it. <laughs> That's kind of nice. That's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm real big on taking as few things as possible, which is sort of why I'm slightly regretting this large GPS purchase. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you're if you've got to have your digital SLR, this is a great bag for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I carried this when I did a tour of western u.s national parks and all that and was taking a lot of photos i carried this strapped a tripod to the side and was really happy uh put a couple a couple liter the two or three liter model a camelback in it and you're set so that'd be a great gift combination for someone uh yes it absolutely would and then you don't have to buy them the digital slr you just buy them the backpack to go with it um (laughs) So speaking of carrying your stuff, I also have a similar stuff carrying um, thing on my list, and and it is the Plateau Designs Field Pouch. And I 
have seen these, a lot of geologists carrying these around. The Plateau Designs is out of Flagstaff, and it's this cute little large-ish um, pouch that goes on your belt. Um, it's nice because it's it's just a Velcro, um, it's just a Velcro fastener, but it's nice because it kind of has two pockets in it, so you can keep stuff separated if you need to. Like you can keep your phone on one of it; and it won't get scratched up by your any rocks you decide to put in your pouch. Um, but the actual pouch is big enough to stick rocks in or to carry around this huge GPS or a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's a little bit different than other field notebook pouches because it's kind of large. Um, and it also has spots specifically like for your acid bottles or for a, uh, a card, like a grain size card. So that's nice. Or like a ruler or something like that. Um, which we all carry around. So it's got little specific spots for that. Um, and I've been really happy with mine. It's only, it's got a small rip in it and I've only had it for, you know, like one and a half field seasons. So that sort of sucks, but I think that's probably just my fault as opposed to anyone else's. So that's a really good gift too, I think. So I never have got into those because to me, they're basically overgrown fanny packs. <laughs> Look, <laughs> so i mean we talked about this i think on the gear show and i just mm-hmm. looked unfortunately it doesn't look like the thing that i have is still available so maybe somewhere out there you can find something similar but i actually used a tactical holster that was meant for kind of like swat operations and that kind of thing <laughs> that strapped to your leg but it had a pocket that was the perfect size for a write in the rain book and a pin and an iphone uh and I really loved that thing, but like I said, I don't think you can buy them right now. So maybe check um, some law enforcement supply stores. I uh, yes, um, I remember yours, and I also just bought. No, I didn't buy. I actually won at GSA uh, a right in the rain pouch, and I linked this into the show notes too. And that's more like yours, where it only has room basically for a phone and. Well, I don't even know if I can shove a phone in there, but it, it fits a right in the rain field book perfectly. And then it's got a few little spots for pins. Um, but using them both in the field, the reason, and the plateau designs, it does look like a fanny pack and it feels kind of big, but it's really neat because you can put stuff in it. It's, you don't have to get your backpack off to be like, I'm going to take this little sample with me and you can just stick it right in that pouch and you can get a couple of more samples and until you get, you know, on flat ground again or something, you don't have to worry about getting your backpack off. So I found it really useful for that kind of thing. So maybe it's got its place. Um, I'll give it another try this summer and see how much I love it after that, but I'm sort of on board with it. Well, we'll have to know how that goes. I know there are a couple other people that have some other field packs that they like that I've talked to. So if you have one, uh, send it in and we'll, we'll link it. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So the next thing I had actually, I think every listener to our podcast should get, uh, <laughs> this is the ShowerMate water resistant wireless Bluetooth <laughs> portable speaker. Uh, um, yeah, these are the best. Um, I remember having like a, a waterproof radio, getting one in high school mm-hmm. and being so impressed that I had the shower radio and I used that thing till it died. It, so AM, yeah. FM, man, that was state of the <laughs> art. That's right. It was shaped like a fish too. <laughs> <laughs> it was my favorite thing ever, man. That thing lasted forever. Well, so now <laughs> for 15, 16 bucks, you can get these little rechargeable Bluetooth speakers that you can just suction cup to the shower ball, and then you can listen to our podcast while you're getting ready in the morning and not have to worry about your phone getting destroyed. Uh, uh, exactly, or dropping your phone in the toilet or anything like that. Right. Um, so we actually had a company that gave these little guys out. They're this nearly exact same one, and I will say they don't play for very long without having to be recharged. Yeah. So that sucks. <laughs> There's not a huge battery space in there. Um, yeah. The one thing that I do really like is it's got the play, pause, forward, backward, button controls, all that on it. So yes. just leave your phone in the bedroom or wherever and go into the shower, hit play, and there you go. Uh, it also has the phone answer button. 
Yes, I, and that works really well, actually. Have you answered the phone in the shower with this? Uh, <laughs> well, I've answered the phone in my car with this because I drive a 99 Jeep Cherokee without any um, uh, cables to hook up my phone. So I use one of these in my car, and uh, it works really well. Hmm. Well, there you yeah. go. So you can uh, use it in your car or answer an important phone call in your shower. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> um, so I highly recommend it for the car. Maybe not for the shower. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can make the podcast recording work that way. Yeah. <laughs> no background noise or anything like that. You can just no. say you're in Costa Rica or something. You know? <laughs> it's raining. What exactly. <laughs> so what's next for you? Um. So in terms of trying to get all my electronics out of the way so i guess this is sort of an electronic and this is a great stocking stuffer if there are any people listening you know that are buying for their college students or anything like that this is a must-have um and it is a uv led hand lens so this is cool i kind of wish that i had this when i was going through mineralogy and it's a it's a <laughs> yes. triplet loop too i mean that's pretty Oh, yes. Pretty good. Yeah, it is. Um, so the thing about these is it's a real pain in the field because they're big. They're kind of big and heavy. But sitting in the classroom, man, I would have killed for one of these in mineralogy. Um, but, you know, if you're carrying around in your backpack or in your Plateau Designs fanny pack, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not annoying at all. It's not like it's heavy or anything, but it's just a little heavy to hang around your neck. But it is awesome because even in the super bright sunshine, having an LED light on a hand lens, you can see so much more of the rock. It's unreal to me. I Until I bought it, I wouldn't have thought it was that useful. Hmm. Yeah. So, and, and it's, you know, it's relatively inexpensive, um, you know, under 30 bucks. And it's really comes in handy. And Definitely for mineralogy. If you have a student that's just starting out in geology, start them out with this. They will be the envy of all their friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see here. I think I'm actually going to skip a little bit and go, well, okay, so now this is still a gear item, I guess. It's not electronics. Um, notebooks <laughs> in all capitals with lots of exclamation points. If... Uh, <laughs> If you listen to the show, you know that we love our paper products. Oh, we're ridiculous. And pens. Oh, man. In fact, we were just discussing our field notes purchases before we were recording this show. And the fact uh, that I have a huge stack of them in my my bag here in the hotel right now. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was actually going to put on here and I forgot. Um. I've been... This is awful. You're you're glad you moved away from Norman because the coffee shop that I go to, which recently quit making pour over coffee and now makes French press coffee, but that's another show to complain about, <laughs> um, <laughs> is that they opened a stationery store right next door. Ooh. And the stationery store doesn't just have cards, but it has all types of pens and notebooks, and it is bad news they have notebooks that are made out of limestone papers actually made out of limestone oh yeah we're we'll be reviewing those um but i am obsessed with these little marker pens that they have and they're fantastic and i need to buy some field notes to go with them yeah i mean so moleskin field notes brand notebooks um i was hoping to have a review of the book book that we talked about a long time ago now that would do a custom notebook cover for you on a really mm -hmm. nice moleskin style notebook. And we mm -hmm. sent them the designs for a show notebook and we never got the product to review. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, uh, yeah, big bummer since it's definitely something we're both super obsessed with. Um, but I just went back to my field notes cause I love the size of them and I just made you look at these before the show, but I've linked in the, the newest field guide, um, field notes, and it is called Snowblind. It's basically a hypercolor notebook. <laughs> yeah, so that 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 one's pretty cool. The uh, UV reactive <laughs> pigment in the cover. Uh, it's super awesome. So it's like this white, blue, 
depending on, you know, how much sunlight it's getting. It's super neat looking. Um, and it talks about the super creamy paper that it has on the inside, which sounds super awesome. So I'm going to be ordering those as soon as we're done recording. Yeah. And I actually am holding in my hand right now. I just got a pack of the field notes that has the real wood covers. Uh, I'm excited to see what you think about those as you use them. Yeah, I don't know how durable they'll be, and I'm pretty yeah. rough on notebooks. Uh, yeah, that's it. My field notes are pretty banged up, so while I applaud the aesthetic value of that notebook, I don't know if it's the best choice for me. <laughs> True. I mean, we've also mentioned, maybe not, uh, the how a lot of them meet their end of getting scanned and <laughs> cut up, uh, so... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. What did, what, did, I, what do you I, have? I withheld. Um, well, I withheld from putting the the Moleskine Evernote no, Evernote notebook in here. Um, I can talk about Evernote forever. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I've got a couple of those. They're pretty nice. Uh, so that would be a good. Oh um, yeah. In. It is. Um, I guess so. As long as we're talking about bags to put stuff in, um, I just put a link in to to. Uh, the Patagonia Messenger bag, that's my everyday carry because I love it so much and I love Patagonia as a brand. I'm a really big fan of everything that they do in terms of the money that they give back to the environment and they have a lot of really great um, environmental charities and stuff. So I really try, I'm very conscious when I buy brands and so Patagonia is one of my big favorites and I've had this bag for Oh, probably about three years, and it's gone all over the world. And, I mean, it looks a little worse for wear, but it is fantastic. I love it so much. Um, and I know a couple of people who have different sizes of it, so they've come in, like, smaller purse sizes and then bigger sizes as well. And it's it's not waterproof, but it sheds rain really well. It's got a reflective strip, so when I'm riding my bike, that's nice to have. It's just a really good everyday bag, so... That's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, let's see here. What? Oh, um, geology bed sheets. <laughs> I love these. They are prohibitively expensive, but they're super cool. That is the big complaint. For a twin, it's one eighty nine, and for uh, a queen, it's two nineteen. But <laughs> these have, uh, you know, crust, upper mantle, mantle, uh, all labeled, and they have. <laughs> what look to be semi-accurate constellations in the sky as well um mm-hmm. and they come with little pillows one of which is a shovel <laughs> yes mm-hmm. <laughs> um that that's that link on there with the gizmodo you should also explore the other things that are on there because there's some pretty cool stuff um but those geology things are the best i remember when they came out that that link made the rounds pretty quickly around our department <laughs> yeah and the title you know is your kid will secretly learn about geology <laughs> right literally <laughs> By making sleeping them on sleep it. in these exactly <laughs> um they're pretty awesome it's a really nice quilting job so that would be that would be fun to have yeah <laughs> and speaking of prohibitively expensive you've got another one on here that i had no idea about and i got super excited i'm still on the website while we're recording the soft earth pottery thing yeah, so I don't remember where I found the link for this. Um, this is really cool. So the idea is taking sediments from different ocean uh, basins, so different cores or different ways that this artist ends up getting these sediments. Uh, and she's up by Hui, the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, and she makes pottery with them. And there's, I mean, all kinds of there's stuff, bowls that the glaze is made out of these sediments, and it has the latitude and longitude of where the core came from on it. And it's just a really cool way to combine geology and something that you're going to use frequently in your home. Oh, yeah. These are so awesome. (laughs) Um, I was looking at the Snowball Earth Collection, and it's so neat. These are pretty expensive items. Yeah. They're really amazing. Yeah, they are. And uh, so this is by uh, an artist named Joan Liederman, and we've got her website linked in. You can read all about her. Uh, 
very, very interesting, very expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks fantastic quality though. Um, and having that, having those sediments in there, it's so neat. Like here's a Costa Rican accretionary wedge sequence. <laughs> you know, like how yeah. cool is that? <laughs> oh, so yeah, these see. were, I could spend all day on that website. Those were really neat. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, let's see. So, oh, memberships to things. These are something yeah, that people that... will always be thankful for because it's something that you wouldn't always buy for yourself. Uh, I thought that too. So if you want to get me a Dropbox membership, I'll totally accept that as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll be able to. Oh, wait, no, you probably can't get the show to me any quicker because your internet's still kind of slow, so. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, yeah. Sooner Wireless. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this was a cool idea. I really like this idea because it isn't something you would always buy for yourself, but it's incredibly useful. Yes, and while I preach that Dropbox is not backup, it, it is. It, it is a very <laughs> useful thing to have. Uh, I mean, you could also get somebody a membership to a backup service like Backblaze or one mm. that I've actually been really recently enjoying myself. Um, made me think that it would be a great gift is an Audible membership for audiobooks. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of Audible. I didn't think I would be, and I finally got suckered in by their, you know, get a free audiobook if you join. That's what got me, too. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, Audible. Good job. Um, It's great. Um, So I downloaded The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, obviously one of our favorite books. Um, And it's read by Stephen Moore. It's super great. And then the... Restaurant at the End of the Universe is read by Martin Freeman. Not as good, but still super great. Um, it's a plethora of stuff to keep you busy while you're driving. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been using it for on this drive because I <laughs> made this drive to and back in October, and I'm making it this time. Uh, yeah, that's that's awful. Yeah, so I've um, got a few lined up. Uh, Steve Jobs' biography and a few other good books lined up there. Um, I have downloaded books down downloaded to audible books at places with along the roadside that have wi-fi so you know all the all the rest stops in iowa have free internet so i've downloaded books there it's it's great yeah <laughs> highly recommend it <laughs> so yeah memberships are a great thing audible dropbox backblaze um, amazon prime there's something oh, yeah. that people wouldn't necessarily get for themselves but i know we're both prime members and oh yeah uh marginally possibly abuse it even <laughs> no such thing that's what it's there for right. you're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i've done you know the only christmas shopping i've done so far has been on on there so absolutely great and speaking of i know we both have a bunch of books written down and i see all of our links are to the amazon web pages for them so uh, what books do you have Oh, let's see. So I've, I've got a wide assortment. Uh, mm-hmm. The first two <laughs> books, one of them is currently out. The other one, uh, let me see. It is apparently out now. Yes, it is. Uh, so they're both by Randall Monroe, who is of XKCD comic fame. Right. And the first one, which was out last year, is called What If. It's a compilation of the What If stories from his website. So crazy things like what if the moon was made of cheese? Um, Gotcha. What if everybody in the world jumped at the same time or shined a laser pointer at the moon at the same time? Or, (laughs) you know, all these uh, about throwing baseballs at the speed of sound. Just like all these crazy, crazy situations uh, with legitimate, well-thought-out physics answers as to what could happen if these highly improbable things came to pass. Uh, That's awesome. And when you said... Reminded me of the, what if everyone pointed a laser pointer at the moon? That sort of leads into one of your other book choices, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, so the, the second one from Randall Monroe, before we get to that one, um, is a new one called Thing Explainer. And I am super excited about this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen this until I clicked on your link earlier today. It yeah, I'm excited about it, too. So Thing Explainer is based on a very famous comic he did called The Upgoer 5. 
okay. where he used only some of the most common words in the English language, uh, only the, I believe it's the thousand most common words, to explain a block diagram of the Saturn V rocket. And so it, awesome. it would be things like fire comes out here and people box <laughs> for the command module. Um, it's oh, just so good. It's really fantastic. Uh, so a few of the things that are in the Thing Explainer book, which is really well illustrated, by the way, um, food heating radio boxes, which are microwaves. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. The other worlds around the sun, the solar system. Uh, or, well, okay, so there's two more. A geology one, the big flat rocks we live on for tectonic plates. <laughs> Uh, and nice. possibly my favorite one is boxes that make clothes smell better <laughs> for washers and dryers. <laughs> oh man, that is a super ingenious idea. Yeah. And I mean, everything Randall does is absolutely brilliant. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are a couple books, but you alluded to one that I know we've both read that had to do with the moon. Yeah, it's good. And I know a couple of our listeners have said that they've read this as well after we talked about it and really enjoyed it. So I think we can heartily recommend, again, the book Seven Eves. Oh, yeah. It was, when we talked about it before, I hadn't finished it because it's, I'm not going to say it's a slog because it was super enjoyable, but it's very long. It, <laughs> um, and it was fantastic. Yeah, it'll it give was, you a bloody nose if you fall asleep with it. So get the Kindle version. Oh, <laughs> I just hit myself in a book last night. My husband watched me do it. He said he stayed awake on purpose because he knew it was going to happen. And then I woke up to the book hitting me in the face and him hysterically laughing. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, that one would hurt you. Um, But it's great. It's absolutely great. Um, So you had another another sci-fi novel because I was so proud of you that you were reading more than just nonfiction this yeah. year. <laughs> But yeah, have I'm you trying. Started this one yet? Well, so I've actually finished. It's a trilogy, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you commit for three books, and the first book is called the Three Body Problem, which I have finished. The mm-hmm. second book is called the Dark Forest, which I am listening to on this drive, and the third book has not been translated yet uh, because they are all three written by a Chinese author, a very highly acclaimed Chinese author. But we have to wait a little bit for them to get translated into English so we can get a hold of them. Uh, and I've I've heard good things about this. I have not started it yet, um, but I've heard good things about that book as well. Well, that series as well. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed friends. the first book. Uh, yeah, I've heard it's pretty fantastic. So. Um, one thing that we both had on our lists, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> I, I put it in general and you went in specific. Yes. Um, <laughs> I put John McPhee books, and you just went for the whole hog and put Annals of a Former World, which is all of them in one. Uh, I did. Um, this is so such a good... I mean, if I have to pick one thing that you should buy for somebody that is a geologist, it's this book. Like, of anything you could get, this is the book to get. He's such a fantastic writer, and it is just so inspiring and interesting and... I just really love the way he writes, so that adds a lot to it. But Annals of a Former World, he published all four of the books that comprise that separately because he wasn't sure if he could get them published together. And then once he was rich and famous, he went back and put them together and sort of George lucas them a little bit. Um, (laughs) And it's just so amazing. Um, One of my good friends got it for me, and I feel like it's a really cool book to receive as a gift because you can you know, really think about the geology and then think about, you know, the person that gave it to you and how much they realize you like geology. And it's just so inspiring. I love John McPhee. Well, and even if it's just somebody that's kind of interested, oh yeah, that's okay because this will get you interested in geology. Oh, yes. It's he's a, he's it's not very a geologist. Yes. He's not a geologist. So his writing style is totally understandable, you know, and you can understand the geology because he's telling it as not a geologist so it's great for just casual interest and it's great for really hardcore scientists it's a fantastic books you can't go wrong with any john mcphee i think yeah but uh, i did put a nonfiction book on mine 
Um, and that is Storm Kings. And this was just a book, um, I think it came out last year. And it's like the history of tornado chasing. It's hmm. really cool. <laughs> I mean, that's something that we've both, uh, both been involved with in the past. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, and so I picked it up and I was like, nah, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm going to like this, but it was really a great, I mean, it was written very well for one. So that, that always, I could read anything as long as it's written well. Um, but it was really interesting because it went all the way back, you know, it, it basically goes back to sort of, you know, Native Americans and a lot of the early settlers in the colonies and the storms that they saw and sort of the history of forecasting. Um, it talks a lot about the first tornado forecast, which happened just up the road from where I live at Tinker Air Force Base in uh, Midwest City, Oklahoma. And so it's a really cool book for any kind of weather weenie oh yeah and there's a lot of books out there for that but you know we have to have some things for future shows <laughs> <laughs> uh yes exactly yeah so it, i just looked this up so it came out in 2014 um i thought it was a. Uh, it's by lee sandlin and it was just it was a really cool sort of history of tornadoes and it talks a lot about because Anyone that's been in meteorology knows that there's a lot of people that are sort of, you know, there's a lot of contention in different theories and a lot of debates. And apparently this isn't a new thing. And so you learn this in this book that these have always been debates about the weather. So it talks a lot about Ben Franklin and a lot of other, you know, sort of early American history stuff. It's it's a really fun read. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So... I've got several things. I'm going to leave all the links in the show notes, but for the sake of time, since we're going to be coming up on the hour mark <laughs> pretty quick, um, I think I'm going to pick one more thing. And this is a book that I've heard the author interviewed on the Embedded FM podcast, so I'll link over to them. And uh, I've actually given this as a gift. Uh, I think it's a really interesting book, and it is the Annotated Build-It-Yourself Science Laboratory. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, so the idea was this is a book that the now author or editor, however you want to refer to him as, um, used as a kid. So this was a book that you would have read if you were a kid in the 1960s. That's awesome. And he remembered this book, said, wow, this really influenced me. I want to go through it, annotate it, update it, and republish it because it was out of print for a long time. Um, so he went through, added a lot of things, a lot of safety things, because in the 1960s, <laughs> yeah, um, there are some things that are like, you know, get a lamp cord, strip the ends of the wire, put one end in a beaker of salt water, plug it in. Uh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, there are some things that you just shouldn't do for health and safety reasons. But there are some that are very interesting experiments. And all of the ones, uh, I believe he said all of the ones that are in there, he's recreated. Oh, that's really neat. Um, I'll have to check that out. Is it is it like geared towards kids or just science enthusiasts in general or what? I would say science enthusiasts in general. If it's towards kids, it needs to be kids with adult supervision because some of these experiments <laughs> are kind of dangerous. Gotcha. Um, so that means they're fun. Yeah, I would I would say that. Anybody from probably 12 to 50 would appreciate this book. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Um, I'll just leave leave the rest of my list on there. Um, I've got REI.com in there. And, you know, you could basically pick out anything for a geologist on that website, particularly Chacos. Seems to be the geologist uniform is these uh, sandals. <laughs> So there's a link to some discount Chacos in the show notes as well. <laughs> yeah, those are those are great sandals. I, yep. I've had my pair forever and ever and ever. Oh, exactly. Fantastic. I don't know a geologist without a pair, so yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, so a very exciting thing for Nerds Everywhere is happening uh, very <laughs> soon. <laughs> and it's actually going to happen during AGU. 
and something that will, I'm sure there's tons of Christmas gifts out there centered around, which is on December 18th, Star Wars, The Force Awakens (laughs) is released. Oh, December 18th is my dog's birthday. I thought that's what you were going to say, but no, you're right. (laughs) So I didn't set out to find this fun paper Friday that had to do with Star Wars. It just came to me, which is the best, right? Right. (laughs) So... Yeah, you found this paper, and uh-huh. it's called Dunes on Planet Tatooine, <laughs> Observations of Barkan Migration at the Star Wars Film Set in Tunisia. <laughs> um, I was going to look up Star Dunes, because <laughs> it's Christmas, we're doing a Christmas show, I thought we'd talk about Star Dunes. <laughs> and this is what I got. And so obviously when I found this, I wasn't going to look for anything else. <laughs> So, I mean, this paper isn't a joke. It's in geomorphology. (laughs) Um. Yeah, and, I mean, the first author is somebody that I've actually read other things by. Uh, He has an entire book on the physics of flight uh, for Frisbees, which I wrote about on my blog this summer. Uh, He also just had a paper come out talking about dust devils and tracking them with seismometers from ground tilt in the desert in the Bulletin of the Seismological Society. Uh, (laughs) So he's done a lot of really interesting things. And uh, could be a possible really interesting guest if we can get a hold of him in the future. Oh, yeah. He'd kind of be a superstar, really, because we did a paper earlier in the summer about sand dunes on Titan, and I know he's done a lot of research on that as well, which I'm sure we will revisit. Um, But this paper (laughs) is about Tatooine. Um, No. (laughs) So it's using a lot of cool techniques, and I think, um, and a lot of sort of citizen science stuff to look at these Barkan dunes. So these are the dunes that are, you know, when you imagine a dune, you might imagine these crescent-shaped things that are moving across the desert sort of sinuously, and that's what a Barkan dune is. Um, And there's this Barkan dune that is encroaching on the set for um, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. Right, and this is a big deal for Tunisia because there's a lot of tourists that come to see this, and there's this huge dune. And when I say huge, you'll see the in the figures in the paper. I mean, this is these are really big. <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of getting awfully close to that. And if you'll remember, sort of, you know, some of it are kind of in pits and stuff. So this large Barkan dune um, is threatening to sort of cover up a lot of that set, which is, you know, a big source of money because of all the tourists that visit it. So that's why this is important to look at. Yeah, so, I mean, this is not something that you can take a bulldozer and just take Mm -mm. care of very easily. (laughs) Uh, No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, they look at uh, things like how the size of Dune relates to its migration rate, and it looks basically like a, a power law. Uh, the, the higher the dune, the slower it migrates. So something that's 20 meters high might only migrate 5 to 10 meters a year, whereas something that's a meter high might migrate up to 50 meters a year. Uh, right, exactly. And it's not just about you know the migrating sand, too. It's about that the specific area where the movie set is is on this really clay-rich hard pan. Um, and they talk about how that hard pan actually has a high coefficient of restitution, which um, the way that sand grains move along in sand dune areas is that they bounce and they hit each other, and that's called saltation. And so any surface that has this high coefficient of restitution allows these saltating grains to bounce very efficiently, and so it aids in the movement of the sand and therefore the overall migration of these Barkan dunes. So that plays into it as well. Um, What I thought was interesting too is they've included a precipitation graph and they've said that the dune is actually slowed down over time because they've gotten more rain than normal um, in this part of the Tunisian desert. And so it's actually sort of slowing down the dune motion and they think that might have something to do with it. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, they also have some histograms of wind speed in there. So, you know, the, they say the saltation threshold is about 6 meters per second. Uh, and that's pretty, I, I would say that's a little bit above the mean uh, daily 
mean wind. Mm-hmm. But it's exceeded hundreds of days per year for sure, over a hundred. Uh, and in fact, for gusting speeds, I would say that it is below the mean gust speed on a given day. So there are right. you know, possibly a couple hundred days a year. At, so there's going to be some pretty significant wind there to make this thing move along. And in fact, some of the ruins even have been buried and then uh, uncovered again. So right. in 2004, they were buried. And in 2009, you can see them again. And the initial survey they just did with Google Earth. Uh, right, exactly. And so the other cool part, they did this with Google Earth because you can see the sets from Google Earth and then see uh, these huge dunes. So that's the scale of these dunes or, you know, big dunes you can see in satellite imagery. And then they said they just Googled, you know, the fictional name of the town and that brought up tons of photos of people visiting it. And so, you know, if the people had dates on those photos, then they could look at the photos and tell in the background, you know, how how the dune was migrating. It was like not exactly time lapse, but it kind of was because that many people have been to this area and posted their photos online. I thought that was a really cool uh, piece of this paper, you know, using using all these available remote sensing methods. It's kind of neat. Yeah, I'd actually be really interested to see. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the structure from motion stuff, where if you get a picture of an object from a lot of different angles, you can create a full 3D model of it. Mm, um, okay. And so you can do this with your phone, with different apps. And I know Microsoft had a demo where they just Google or, well, Microsoft wouldn't Google. They binged or yes. something uh, <laughs> for photos of the Colosseum. And then just from a bunch of tourist photos that they downloaded off the internet, you know, taking a few hundred hits, throwing it into the software, it cranked out a pretty decent 3D model of the Colosseum. Uh, that's really awesome. I think that sort of thing has a lot of um, a lot of implication for you know people that can't access outcrops and are you know still want to be involved with doing this kind of field work, that's an excellent thing to be able to do. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it a lot until I read this paper. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I do love uh, one of the figures in here. Let's see. It is figure 6B that is pretty much a, a picture <laughs> of the authors with the set. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. They're um, the moisture evaporators from the set, if you happen to be familiar. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, exactly. And you can see the Barkan dune in the background, even though this just looks like a touristy shot. It's pretty funny. And they talk yeah. about the, the footprints you can see all over the slip face of the Barkan dune. Um, and then talking about the coloration of the dune in the background and that having to do with, you know, the moisture content in that area. Because obviously... The more moisture sand is, the less it's going to saltate and move around. <laughs> yeah, and so basically where they took this photo, uh, they're just kind of, the, the person that took the photo is standing near the end of Sebulba's Cafe. Uh, <laughs> I, I just think that's really cool. Uh, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> hence why I immediately glommed on to this paper <laughs> due to the title. <laughs> um, Anytime you can use tattooing in the title of your geomorphology paper, like that is so many nerd points. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so this is really neat, and sort of the whole you know conclusion of the paper is that you can use all these different tools, Google Earth, just uh, googling pictures on the internet to sort of do these mapping things. Um, in case Tunisia wanted to do any, you know, mitigation measures so that the set wouldn't become buried. Um, And I thought this was interesting. They say, there would be some irony in such measures being adopted to protect a science fiction film set. It was exposure to Aeolian transport concerns and countermeasures that inspired author Frank Herbert to write a science fiction novel set on a desert world that itself became an epic film. Obviously, Dune. Right. (laughs) I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, so... I think that was a great fun paper Friday pick. And yeah, that's, (laughs) I mean, anything that you get Star Wars for anybody over the holidays is going to be great. 
<laughs> it seemed like it was very appropriate. Um, yeah. We're actually experiencing record temperatures here right now. It's pretty warm, so, you know, sandstorms in the middle of winter, Tatooine. It was great. Yep, there you go. Well, if you have anything that you think we missed during the show, uh, anything that you'd like us to link in, a comment, you can always email us or send us an audio comment. We haven't had an audio comment in a while, so we'd love it if somebody uh, wants to do that. But we have been getting lots of great feedback in the email, so keep that up. And Shannon, how can they get a hold of us? Well, we would love for you to send us pictures of your field fanny packs at show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. Um, you can also uh, tweet us pictures of your fanny packs at don'tpanicgeo. And John is on Twitter at geo underscore Lehman and at johnrleeman.com. And I am at Shannon Doolin. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.